This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. You're listening to the Classic Car Show and we've got a very classy lady on the show today, Miss Pat Swigert. And... Um, it's an honor to have you back, Pat, and I must apologize. It was all my computer and my program's fault, which in, in that case makes it my fault that we had some problems with the first time we interviewed you. So I wanted to have you back on and so you could talk about the Swigert Museum. And uh, Jim did such an outstanding job, and Steve's on the road that I thought we'd get Jim back here. And uh, The road to where? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> He's looking for the Brill Cream, I reckon. Yes, uh, yeah, Pat. We call him the Brill Cream Kid. Is that it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he always does his hair up before he comes in. So. <laughs> well, that's good because, you know, when you're on the radio, why you want to look nice for your audience. Well, he has he has a face for radio. He does. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> well... What I'd like to do today, I mean, we've talked about the museum, but I want to kind of do an overview again in case there are some listeners that uh, weren't listening the first time. And I'll just kind of start by saying I first joined AACA in 1959, and the Swigert Museum was known then, and you and your husband, and I believe... Uh, the rest of the family were very active at that time. Yes, William was uh, national president in 55 and 56 of AACA. <clears throat> and so um, he was well known. Of course, the, the club itself was not as large at that time as as it is now. And uh, that gave you, if that was a good thing, it gave you more ability to get to know one another. Now there are so many members, but it still is a very, very good club, very interesting club, lots of fun, and I've always said about the antique car hobby, you can be sitting beside the president of General Motors on one side of you, and maybe the man that sweeps the street on the other side, and you don't know which is who, and you don't care. Exactly. Pat, Pat, I'm just curious. Back then, how many museums were there or approximately back then compared to uh, today? Has Have the museums become more prominent? Yes. There have been more museums every year. There's, there's some more open up. However, there's a lot of places, and I'm not knocking anybody, but there are a lot of places that have car collections, and they're privately owned, and for tax purposes, they do get known as museums. Not all of them are open to the public. Most of them you can visit uh, with contact ahead of time, but um, uh, I, I understood a couple years ago there were 900 car museums in the United States but that included all the private ones as well as the ones of us that are open to the public. That, that's interesting, because um, I, I think I know one of those collections. 
and uh, you know it's just you have to sign the book when you go in. Mm-hmm. And and there are quite a number of those. Uh, we our local club here has hosted several national tours. We have some collectors in our area, and I've gone to them and said, may we bring the people to see your cars? And a couple of them had said, well, we don't really open up to the public. Uh, even with a car club people coming in, they did not wish to have it open. But then there are some. We have a, a gentleman in our area that has Mercedes collection, and uh, it's not open to the public, but all you have to do is give him a call, and he's more than happy to have you come and, and see what he has and, and meet with him and, and talk talk with you. Yeah, I, that's, I agree with you 100% on the fact of you don't know who's sitting next to you on either side. And many of those people do have those collections, and they really enjoy having people come and appreciate the cars with them right right so uh but the public ones to me are the ones that that put out the effort and you know we we talked in the past about the school children and educating the young children and then the other one is is one of my favorites and that's the grandparents that come in with the young children and talk to them and and reminisce and I think that's wonderful. And we get a lot of those stories when the grandparents come in, uh, with or without the, the grandchildren, and especially some of the cars that we have that they'll say, well, now I had one of those or my parents had one of that. And uh, when we have motor coach groups come in, the interesting thing is always the rumble seats and uh, we hear a lot of stories of things that went on in the rumble seats. <laughs> and I, I think I'm too young for that too. <laughs> a lot of things went on in the rumble seats, uh-huh. That's, where, that's how they got their name. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Pat, let me ask you, uh, I just thought of this as we were talking and you were talking about other museums, some of them are private collections and so forth and so on. As, as a an operator, curator, owner of a museum, how do you determine? You know, it's sort of like, well, I can, I can hear my wife saying something like, "Well, we've seen one Model T. Why don't we want to go back and see another Model T?" But what what does does a person think about uh, to open a museum and? and make my museum different from your museum and so forth and so on. And do you see, do, in fact, we've sort of seen it, Jim, that a that, uh, museum will have a theme, so yes. to speak. Yes, So yeah. how does that come about, and do you see museums trying to copy Swigert, or do you see that, that everybody has their own thought about it? Everybody has their own special uniqueness. Um, you could have the same cars if you could copy a list of cars that we have in our museum and take them to another museum and have them copy them <clears throat> the story behind the car is the important thing it's not the model t but where the model t came from or a, a specific information about it and my one regret is that i never videoed william telling the story of the cars in the museum. We have good records. We have records where they came from. But he had such wonderful stories, and I I do have it on cassette tape, and 
but I, I'm just sorry that we never had him videoed to tell those stories firsthand. But there, when I go to the museum, when we have groups there, or if I happen to, to stop in for something and, and I'm telling the people, because I always go and, and speak to them and sort of tell them some stories about the different cars and, and the ones that I'm particularly familiar with, the ones that I was there when he bought them, and to give those little stories, and it makes it so much more interesting. So you can have a Model T at one place and a Model T at another, but they have a different story behind them. Exactly. And I know we talked the last time, and we asked you about a favorite car, and I think you said it was a Cord, if I remember correectly, in well, the museum, because it was kind of a forlorn car next to a couple well, of... that's it. And actually... Yeah. That particular car is now sitting up in one of our storage garages, but I still go up and see it every now and then. And we talk. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> really. It, it's kind of like having a child. Yeah, that, well, that's it. But we do have a, another cord in the museum. It was a prize winner in the Classic Car Club, and and uh, but it's bright and shiny, and, and uh, I have used that on a couple tours. Uh, it does shimmy at 80. <laughs> but, uh, didn't didn't, didn't they that, all? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you when you all your husbands started the museum and so forth, what what is your theme and and why don't you carry us sort of through through the theme and and how you fill the holes or how your husband filled the holes with the cars that he wanted uh, for the theme? Well, the collection was actually started in 1920. We were the oldest car museum in America. And it was started by William's father. And um, William was one of five children, but his brother was not interested in cars. The others were girls, and William was the only one with the, with the car hobby in mind. And so when his father would go out to junkyards, they would collect license plates for him. They would collect automobile emblems for him. And William always went along, so that when Mr. Swiger passed away in 1949, <clears throat> William was the one that took the collection as part of his inheritance. The thing was, there were only 12 cars at that time. And, uh, of course, to start a car collection in 1920 was uh, really forward-looking because cars were very new at that point, yet that nobody thought of having them as as a, a museum or a collection, but Mr. Swigert did. And William continued after he passed away. The cars were kept in a, um, a carriage house that was here in Huntington uh, that was in the back of their insurance company. Mr. Swigert had started an insurance company, and the carriage house was in back of it, and that's where they kept the the cars and some the, all these collections that, that uh, they had secured. And in 1957, why William opened our present museum because we had too he had too many cars. And oh my goodness, it it could house 35 to 40 cars in this new building. Well, that was all well and good in 1957, but unfortunately. Right now we have 175 cars. cheapers. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you just can't put them all in the same building. So we have three storage garages in Huntingdon. And uh, 
we do change the cars every year. We change some of them. Uh, as far as having a theme, William was very much for the older cars, for the um, the Model Ts and the, the uh, early Buicks and that kind of thing. Some of the car, uh, some of the collectors go into more of the classics, and we do have some classics, but not quite as many. And we had been in a, another museum a number of years ago, and they were all the Packards and the the uh, Duesenbergs and and uh, that type of thing. And William said, "My goodness, how do you get all these?" And the man said, "Well, while you were collecting all your Model Ts and your your Buicks and things." We were collecting these, but it's it's the same. You get the same bug, and you just start collecting. Well, you have you have one or two gorgeous Duesenbergs, if I remember rightly. We have two Duesenbergs. We have a 1929 um, Vict- uh, Victoria. It's a long wheelbase coupe, and that's the one that I use on a lot of tours. We, when William was living, we used it, and uh, I have still continued, and I'm going to use it this year on the Glidden tour. And we have the only 12-cylinder Duesenberg that was ever made. Right. And Jackie yeah. Coogan was reported to be the first owner of that car. I remember that one. Yes, we, yeah. we talked about that. Um, when you do a Glidden tour, and, and I'm going to have you think about this for a minute, uh, we're going to take a break, and you start thinking about the Glidden tour because I'm going to ask you some questions. So... We're ready to break, David. We'll be back. My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show and so delighted to have Pat Swaggart on our show today talking about uh, her museum now. I, 
Jim, do you know that she has another business? <laughs> um, uh, is that the one that involves the uh, measuring tape? <laughs> well, I don't. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that in in that business they do, but it's a it's a dying concern. Yes, that's a measuring tape business. I, I Mr. Ronaldo has. Uh, advised me uh i have been warned and in fact one of these years i'm going to go on the glidden tour and um love to have you go oh i i would because i can hardly wait to do the dance <laughs> <laughs> um we, we were talking before on the glidden tour um wh- when you do one of these they're all over the country correct and that's how- correct okay different different car clubs throughout the country have uh, host them each year. Yeah, and and is, is it AACA and Horseless Carriage and Classic Car Club, or is it others? It's, it's between the Veteran Motor Car Club of America and the Antique Automobile Club of America. Okay, and well. they take turns hosting, having one of their groups hosted each year. The uh, VMCCA is the even numbered years, and AACA is the. Um, odd number of years. So this year it's going to be Antique Automobile Club of America. Okay. It's going to be held in Oklahoma City or in, in that area. Okay. Pat, since you're, since you're familiar with both organizations, give us a, a one minute or two minute uh, rundown on, on why this or why A or why B type thing and, and uh, how they differ. Well, VMCCA is more of a touring club. Now, AACA has a lot of tours, don't get me wrong, and actually they have, they're getting more and more every year that uh, it's hard to even get a date in because we're, our club is hosting the Founders Tour next year, and uh, as I said, to try to find a, a date to ha- have it that was not interfering with anything else. <coughs> but the VMCCA is basically a touring club whereas AACA has a lot of meets and shows <clears throat> more so than, than what VMCCA does. Okay. And um, the VMCCA club um, is heavier, and, and I don't know why this is, but it's heavier in the western part of the country, and AACA is heavier in the east, although there are members of both in, in the entire country. That's interesting. Now... Let, let's go back to a Glidden tour, and how? I mean, how many miles is it? And I and I know you go to different sections of the country, but let, let's take, for example, the Oklahoma City one. Do you have any idea mileage and time, and how many days, and what cars are eligible? They, the um, Glidden tour is for cars up to nineteen forty-two. Okay, and the. They usually start on a Sunday evening with some get-together, not necessarily a banquet, but some event. And it ends on Friday with an event of some type. Usually they're banquets, but they don't have to be. They try to keep the tours limited as much as possible to 120 miles a day with Wednesday and Friday trying to make the shorter days. On Wednesday, uh, there's usually an ice cream social or an event of some kind in the evening, uh, and that's when we have the freshmen 
in, uh, the uh, initiation to the, the uh, club and everything of the freshmen. Uh, they graduate, they and they have a, a prom. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. And on Friday, there is usually an event of some type, uh, and again, it's usually a banquet. And people then are getting their cars put back in the trailers and getting things packed up to leave usually Saturday morning. Okay. So that's good. Well, thank you. Now, now I understand and what I can look forward to. Um, I'd, I'd like to go back and talk about the collection because you do have some neat cars. Some of them are incredible. We're in an era in car buying today that a lot of focus is on hybrids and electrics, and you have some very old electric cars, if I remember correctly. We have a Studebaker electric in 1909, and it was used um, 1908. I, you know, what's a year? When you right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, That's what David and I say. Item. Uh, it was used in Washington to take the congressmen and senators in the tunnel between the House and the Senate. And um, was used down there for just several years, and then they were retired and they got a new vehicle of some type. Uh, William purchased the car from a gentleman in Hanover. It was restored at that time. Um, and William had gone down to Washington to the uh, person in charge of records and told them that he had purchased this car whether they had any information on it and his story was that the secretary just turned in her chair opened a drawer and pulled out a whole file wow <laughs> and there were two of the vehicles that were made at that time and one was tommy and one was peggy and ours is tommy peggy's in the studebaker museum in south bend indiana uh it was not restored for quite a few years but um about uh, three or four years ago a uh, gentleman by the name of Brian Howard from Carlisle, Pennsylvania came up to our museum to check it out and he restored it for Studebaker. Wow. Uh, the tires are smooth because it doesn't run outside so there's no tread necessary. Uh, runs on 12 6 volt, volt batteries and uh, it's just a really neat car. It's tiller-driven. Neat. And has two seats. One seat faces the one way and one seat faces the other so that uh, when the driver took the people to one direction, he sat in the one seat, and then he moved to the other, and the car, the vehicle was not turned around. It looks like a, almost like a big wagon. Uh, there's no top to it or anything. There's four seats. Wow. And uh, it's, I've always said I'd like to hear the stories of the people that that sat on it. Yes. Yeah. But uh, they suppose if each one supposedly cost twenty four hundred dollars new, and the government sold them at auction in nineteen thirty nine, and they brought thirty five dollars each. <laughs> that's, so that's, uh, that's our government. Yeah. <laughs> Not to make any more comments. Amen. <laughs> and it still works that way today. <laughs> and the other. We did take that car down to Puerto Rico. 
and because they have a, a wonderful car show there right. every year right. over uh, President's Weekend. And the people from Puerto Rico come up and pick what car they want. And they had picked that one this one year. But when the cars go down there, they go down, of course, by by um, uh, big trucks or the um, chips. Mm-hmm. And then they're taken out of the containers and put onto a rollback and then put down to the ground. But they run a little bit on the stones. Well, we have no tread on the tires. So you have to run across these stones to get to wherever whatever tent or pavilion they have your cars in and when we were doing this we were concerned about the tires and so the gal that's the director of the museum and I were putting our heads together and what to do and we decided we're going to get large bath towels and that will help the tires that will take care of them so we went to a local store and she picked off four brown bath towels and I said put them back why? I said, this is Tommy. He needs blue booties. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Puerto Rico with blue towels. <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. <laughs> we then took the same car down to uh, Radnor to the hunt show, and uh, ha- this was right after it had come back, so it still had its blue booties on because we put them back <laughs> on down there. And the... Uh, I won't say the name, but the fellow that accompanied us, one of the national directors, he said, if you think I'm taking those things off and putting them on, you're crazy. (laughs) It stayed at the show with its blue booties on. Oh, that's neat. Well, and the other thing I noticed is you also have a steam car. The Stanley Steamer? Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, do you ever use that or drive that? haven't had it out in I can't tell you how many years. William used to drive it quite a bit mm-hmm. and uh, he said about how he'd just drive up to a, a stream and fill it up with, with water and keep on, on going. It holds 30 gallons of water and uh, it takes a gallon of water a mile. Wow. So, uh, But water is a lot cheaper than the gasoline is. It, and it is nowhere near as corrosive as today's gasoline. Right. Oh. And I just love steam cars. They just make the most delightful sound, and, and uh, it's just just a pleasure to watch them and, and to see them. Pat, how do you, with such a, a large collection, how do you maintain all these? And, and you were talking about part of them are in storage, and then obviously... Uh, you have, uh, what, about a third in the museum and two-thirds in storage at any one given time. How do you maintain all of these? Well, the cars are all, other than the ones that we drive regularly, and, and those are very few, um, the rest of them are all drained of all their fluids because of insurance purposes. But they're turned over twice a year by hand. And, hmm. um, of course, the ones that we drive, they are taken care of constantly mm-hmm. um, but um, we have people that do take care of them um, every every year in the, the winter time when we are closed we're closed from the end of October until Memorial Day weekend and one of our men 
takes every car in the museum, pulls it out, takes all the the seats out, cleans it totally, polishes it, and uh, takes repairs anything that may need repaired, and uh, and puts it all back together again. We've gone down there sometimes, and a car is sitting in the middle of the aisle, and parts all over the place and i say you'll never get it back together and the way it's supposed to be but the next day there's another one out so they take care of it and you mentioned about the young people yes we have uh last year we had put an ad in the paper for a docent for the museum because we needed another person down there and there was a young fellow at answered our ad and he was, I think, in tenth, going into 10th grade. Well, a docent that's going into 10th grade isn't going to help because we are open when school is in session and when at the end of, the, of our season, school is in session, so then he couldn't work. But we decided that if he had enough interest to apply, we wanted to talk to him. So he came up, and in talking to him, he's indicated his interest in cars and that he'd just do anything well he is now working for us for the second year and he is cleaning the cars he's checking the cars he also has another job at a uh, working for a car repair shop and he checks some of the things that um, we have one car that wasn't running the way it should have been and we said okay take a look at it and see what it might be and he gave us the problem and we got that fixed i mean here's a young fellow right now he's going into his senior year and he has such an interest and we have so many so much interest with the students from the Pennsylvania College of Technology in Williamsport which is part of Penn State. Pat I'm going to have to interrupt you we're right in the right at a hard break uh, hold the story and we'll come back and finish it if we want to hear it. We'll be back right after this. Hi this is Steve Ronaldo host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare. Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. 
Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, Pat, let's uh, talk about this young man and about the technical school in Williamsport, if you would, please. The uh, boys and girls, men and women, I should say, from the Pennsylvania College of Technology in Williamsport had come to us and asked if we would work with them, that they would like to have some of our cars uh, that would need some attention and uh, to take them up there and give the students some experience on these cars. Of course, they they have a course in uh, restoration, and uh, they've just graduated their first four-year student from there. And so they have had several of our cars, a, the uh, 39 Buick Roadmaster, and they did a wonderful job on that and repainted it, and it just shines like a, a new penny. They uh, had to the elegance this past year of Hershey, we took a 1916 Scripps booth, and they took it up there. It hadn't been driven in probably 50 years, and they got it running. And, uh, in fact, when Jay Leno was up to Williamsport recently, they had it up there, and he even drove that car. I have a 52 Chrysler Experimental car, and they took that up and did that for me personally. Uh, we have a yeah. Well, tell us uh, about tell I, us about. The, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but tell us about. You said experimental car. It was a car that was designed by a Chrysler designer by the name of Thomas Verrill, and uh, he actually designed it to compete with the Bugatti Royale. Oh. And when he did this. He put his name on it. He, he tooled his name on it, and he named it the Barrel Wolf Wagon. Wow. Uh, he had it black, a uh, very long car. Uh, during the years, why uh, Chrysler did not put it into production, because they said it was too long to fit in the average garage. <laughs> and so he kept the car. Uh, the car went to several different people um, there were several collectors that had it and eventually it made its way to Asbury Park to the museum there and it went for sale in ocean in uh, Atlantic City and my husband at that time my husband saw it and uh, decided that he wanted it and we were able to secure it but it had been changed the color had been changed to yellow <clears throat> I'm not much for yellow, but everybody called it the yellow banana. Oh, so, gee. <laughs> uh, when it went back up to Penn Tech, why they asked if I wanted it to go back to black, and I said, no, everybody knows it as yellow. So I took that last year. I was invited to take that to the elegance of Hershey, and we won the prize for the best post-war car. Wonderful. So uh, the young people up there at Penn Tech do a great job. 
Um, oh, that's that that is a that's a nice story. Um, I want to go back because the Scripps booth that you were talking about that Jay Leno drove. There's a story behind that, isn't there? Wasn't that built for someone special? Uh, Eleanor Sears, who was a tennis player in the teens. Um, she was, uh, I think, the great-great-great-granddaughter of Thomas Jefferson. Okay. And she asked, wanted a car that had the elegance of a Rolls-Royce, the smallness of a Model T, and a Mercedes radiator. <laughs> oh, gee. And Mr. Cripps Booth made this car for her. And when after William had secured it, why, he called or wrote to Mr. Scripps Booth and said, I have this car, and Mr. Scripps Booth said, I never made it. And William said, would you come to the museum and see it? And William said, when he, he was standing back by the car, and Mr. Scripps Booth came back the, the little aisleway, and he stopped, and he said, I did make it. I remember. Wow. That's incredible. So it's it's a very elegant town car, um, and it's we were invited to have it shown at the Peterson Museum last year. They had a town car exhibit, and uh, I was very proud and very pleased to see that it was their showcase car. And they had all these other town cars there, but this is the one that they used for their all their advertisement and their showcase. So that made me. Very, very proud. Oh, that that's neat. And you, you have another town car, a Brewster, if I remember rightly. With a we have a Brewster that belonged to Tommy Manville. Okay. And uh, I guess I think he was married something like twelve or fourteen times. <laughs> yeah. But it has At least weave on the side <clears throat> and leather fenders. Oh, amazing! That 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 I guess has to be a gorgeous car, also. So it it's. We have a lot of unique cars in that regard. You ask what what um, what kind of a theme you put in. It's uh, not necessarily a theme. It's just these different cars, and when they become available somewhere, and uh, I always say if, if, if the person that's selling it and the person that's buying it can make out a proper arrangement, why it becomes, it changes hands. Oh, that, that's neat. And, and I remember, because we talked about the Durham Body Company the last time we were on the air, and you've got a Durham Body car, correct? A 40 Cadillac. Okay. And that one also has an interesting story. That was donated to the museum by a Dr. Hay from Texas. I have never met him. I have never talked to him, but he was a friend of some friends of ours who knew of the car, knew he wanted to either donate it or sell it, and uh, we made some arrangements and we got the car. Pat, where, whereabouts in Texas? Pardon? Where, whereabouts in Texas? Oh, you asked me that. Do you remember? Or? No. Because I knew a Dr. K in, in Lubbock that was uh, at uh, Lubbock Christian College. It was it was Hay. H-A-Y. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. I uh, thought you said K. I'm okay. sorry. Wow. Uh, the car was given to Barbara Hutton by her aunt, Jessie Donahue, who, of course, was one of the Woolworth family. 
when Barbara Hutton married Cary Grant. It was their wedding present. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> wow. I'll bet there's some stories that, that we don't know about that car. That's true. <laughs> and we did use that on a couple of the Glidden tours, and uh, it has the, the top goes back over the chauffeur's seat, <clears throat> and it goes back over the back seat. Oh. But there's a center part then that is stationary and does not move and uh, it's lots of fun it's a wonderful driving car uh, and a very easy driving car against the Duesenbergs that I always say take six men and a horse to, <laughs> to drive it and to stop it <laughs> wow well now, now when you go on a Glidden tour or you take one of your cars out for whatever reason and, and for lack of better words do you always have a chase car with you in case something does mechanically well, go the, wrong? The tours themselves do. Oh, the, okay. the national tours always have. Uh, the Glidden Tour has a partnership with AAA, and AAA supplies their trouble trucks. And some days they don't have to do anything but just enjoy the tour and other days they're going back and forth a lot usually the first day because uh, it seems that people want to take a car on a tour but they don't stop and think that they're going to be driving it more than just down the street to the grocery store and so some people have problems the first day but um, with with any of the national tours of, of any of the clubs if there's not a trouble truck, there are uh, stations available that you can contact, and and they will come and take care of your problems. That that's neat. That that really kind of covers uh, a lot of what I was wondering about on breakdowns. And uh, it it sounds like you've got everything covered on those tours. We uh, try to try to see that everything is taken care of that makes the tours as enjoyable for the participants as possible. Yeah. Well, let's, I want to get back to the Swaggart Museum for a minute. What, in your opinion, and, and uh, we should take your opinion totally, what, what, what is, I walk in, what's the wow factor? What, what, what am I going to see and say, you know, wow, I, I can't believe this? I think just our building, if you look on, on our website, which is www.swigertmuseum.com, if you look on the website and see a picture of our building, if you drive past the building, it looks very small. But when you walk in and go to the car display and see 35 to 40 cars on display and the type of cars and... As a matter of fact, I got your, your website up right now. And the condition of them, because as I said, this fellow takes care of them every every year, and during the year they are constantly uh, wiped off. Being you know, make sure that there's no dust. Uh, we also have supposedly the largest collection of automobile emblems and the largest collection of license plates in the world. Wow. Yeah, I remember we talked about that. You also have an adopt a car program. Does that mean we if do. I if, we do. if I For adopt hundred dollars a year, you can adopt any car. Uh, you have visitation rights. You can come and talk to that. Just as I said, I go and talk to the court, and um, 
your name goes on a little plaque for the for the year. Some museums let you go in and do things, you know, dust them off and everything. We don't ask you to do this. Uh, but for $100, we think it's, it's really worthwhile. Uh, it helps the museum. It's, of course, to continue the collection. William used to say if you wanted to collect something, maybe you should collect stamps or coins because they didn't take up as much room and didn't cost as much to keep. But um, he loved his cars. His favorite car was a, a, a 19.3 Oldsmobile and uh, Curved Dash Olds. Right, right. And uh, that's the one I have adopted, and I continue to adopt it as the years go on. Okay, now you adopt it, and uh, you mentioned that your collection or, or what's in the museum you change every year. So um, that the one that you choose is going to be on display for however many months it's it's there, right? Right. But um, actually, most people choose the one that's in the museum, and we keep them in there for a year. Uh, most of the cars in the museum are not changed. Of course, we have two Tuckers. We have Herbie the Love Bug, and those cars do not come out of the museum. We... Um, there's too many people that come just to see those those cars that we don't want to take them out. But there's some of them that aren't quite as, I should say, exciting to everybody, and we do try to switch those around. Um, we have some of the newer cars, and we also have donations because we're William set it up before he passed away as a 501c3, so we're nonprofit. And we do take donate donations of cars and and other items too, but basically the cars. And those cars do go in the museum, and and they remain there, uh, depending upon the car. Some of them several years. Uh, we have two two actually our two first three first uh, donated vehicles have been in ever since they've been donated because they're unique enough that we want to keep them in. There's a um, a um, service cycle mm -hmm. and also a 1914 depot hack. And, ah, uh, we've left those. In okay, there. service cycle—that's a rare piece, and they used and, to be very common. Yeah, they they were used, of course, for the Western Union deliveries and things of that type. Right. But uh, those were both donated by the same family, by a family down in Georgia. Oh. And. Uh, Okay. Um, one, let's go back to your Tuckers because those are, are such famous cars, and you have the prototype, I understand. We have the prototype, and we have number 13. Okay. Um, and we, for many years, were hoping to have a Tucker. just didn't seem that there were any available, and... So happened there were these two came up for auction at the same auction only different days. Uh, I won't say that we went to the auction just to get a Tucker, but we went to hoping. And when we got the first one, which was the prototype, um, the other one was left for the next day. And uh, I kind of jokingly turned to the people that were with us and said, "I haven't ruled out the other one." And every, we all laughed just so happened that we got the second one. Um, and 
That that's that, that's incredible. Um, and I'm going to get into a little detail, but don't don't do too much. But can you tell me on the prototype? Is it a lot different than number thirteen, or is it, are they pretty much the same? A lot of it is. Some of it is different. The, the doors are different. Uh, one has the suicide doors. The other has the regular doors. Uh, the gas fill is at a different position. The hood ornament was different. The um, grill work in the front is different. Um, but Mr. Tucker made the cars, Preston Tucker, so that the, the seats are all interchangeable. Wow. In other words, you wear out the, the front seat, you can put it to the back and bring it front. Uh, he was very much for safety. Yeah, the yes. The glass in the cars is all of a type that if you are in an accident, it shatters, but it doesn't come out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fall out and cut anybody. Uh, in the front where the passenger is sitting, there's not all that uh, woodwork in front of you. It's it's very open so that if you, again, are in an accident, you can just slide right down in there. Right, right. Uh, in fact, it's it's padded, if I remember rightly. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, very, the, very interesting. It's, it's just a shame of what happened to the company. Yes. Uh, through having these cars, through belonging to the Tucker Club, why I learned to know John Tucker, who was Preston Tucker's youngest son. And we became fast friends, called each other about every three weeks, and we took, we were invited to bring a Tucker. They wanted the prototype, but we said no on that one, to the Puerto Rico show. Oh. And I called John. I said, we're going to Puerto Rico with number 13. He said, take lots of pictures. He said, I've never been there. So I thought a little bit after I hung up, and I called him back, and I said, how about going along? Oh, that was nice. And he went down with us. We had two wonderful weeks together. Uh, my only regret, again, is that I didn't tape the stories that he told. Uh, he told a lot of stories about his family. And um, his son, John Jr., uh, is one of the on our advisory board. And uh, we've become very good friends. Actually, I had met John Jr. before I met the father. Okay. But, uh, it, it was a very, it was a good tour and a very fun time. And the people in Puerto Rico just, just loved him down there. And we just had a great, great time. And as I said, many stories were told. Yes. Uh, I have met the people from Puerto Rico that are in the club when I was at Homestead with Steve one year, and mm-hmm. uh, they are the most hospitable people. They are just wonderful. They and, had their third national AACA show down there just this past March. I've right. been down for all of them. But their other show, which is not an AACA show, is over President's Weekend, and they're, as you said, they're, they're just very giving, very friendly. Uh, you feel as though you've known them forever. Right, right. Yeah, it, it's just they're wonderful. Um, I want to go back because you have some horse-drawn vehicles in there besides the automobiles. And uh, can you share how these came about or were these ones? Well, that- most of them are... Um, um, 
fire vehicles. Okay. Um, hose carts and things of that type. Mm-hmm. The Mr. Swigert, as I said, started an insurance company in 1908, and it's fire casualty and theft. And so, of course, the whole family was interested in fire equipment for that matter. We have a lot of, of toys and things that are fire-related, and so uh, that's how we happened to secure some of those. And uh, William was very interested along, as I said, with, with the rest of the family in that. And, and these are on display in your museum, too? Or are we they put in them back and forth different times, yes. Okay, okay, excellent. That that. I mean, there's a story to be told there, and I think you've got a high-wheeler, if oh, I'm not... Oh, we do. We yeah. have a wonderful, wonderful high-wheeler down there, uh, an international, mm-hmm. and uh, actually we had it in our storage garages, and uh, one of our board members, Don Barlop, who is now national president of AACA, uh, every time he'd go in, he'd say, you have to have that, you have to have it, and uh, just never put it in. I said, we can't afford to get it restored. He said, it doesn't need to be restored. It just needs to be to be shown. And we get a lot of a lot of interest on in that particular particular car. Yeah, so, I, um, I, we, when I was growing up, we had a neighbor that had a Sears high-wheeler, and, and it just never forget that. It's just one of those unique things. We do have, have a Sears 1911. Ah, okay. That, um, it's not a high wheeler. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, a little little um, roadster. Okay. Um, the we have a membership to the for the uh, museum. Excellent. And uh, you- last year we had a fundraising project of uh, we approached our friends and clubs and things, and we made a recipe book, and we won first prize with that at the. NAM convention this past year of uh, related materials. Okay. So we were very proud of that. Uh, one thing, talking about NAM, which is the National Association of Automobile Museums, uh, they have awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award to three different people over the years. And Henry Ford and Bill Harrow were two of them, and William was the only other one then, and that was in 2004. They awarded that to him. Wonderful. William passed away in 2000. Yesterday, actually, was the 15th anniversary of his passing, and he would have been 100 years old this year. Oh, wow. So we have the girls that uh, do the displays for the museum did a a very nice little display with the curved dash olds, which was his favorite car, and we also have a salesman's uh, copy of the curved dash which the salesman would put on a, a trailer or little wagon and take around to show people what they would get and uh, so we have that and they have some balloons and things down there with his picture down at the museum so that that's neat proud of that now you, you have a, a gift shop too right we have a gift shop okay uh, it's a small one when uh, I always say that when I win the powerball why we're going to add on to the museum but uh, I haven't uh, been that lucky so uh, it is small but we have some t-shirts and and things of antique cars we have Tucker t-shirts we have some some of the movies that we 
we sell the Tucker movies and some other ones involving cars. We have little model model cars. So, and That's neat. Yeah, and especially when you get the younger children in there with their grandparents, I'm sure one of the grandparents always buys a little model for one of the kids as a, as, as a memorabilia. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I remember going to the Ford Museum when I was a, a child, and uh, I've got some stuff, too. So I guess we're going to go to break again. Uh, no, we got about one minute till the end of the show. Oh, uh, already? Already. This uh, is going very fast. Oh. Pat, let's, uh, let's wrap it up with uh, tell people how they can get a hold of you. Uh, your website again, and uh, any other special message that we want to get out uh, regarding the Swigert Museum. Well, as I said, we have a membership. You can contact us through our website, www.swigertmuseum.com. Uh, you might want to donate one of your cars, tax-deductible donations, uh, maybe buy one of our, our uh, recipe books. Let me ask, and, would you take uh, an old radio person like Jim? <laughs> And, and he's really not radio, he's just old. <laughs> we just would like to have everybody come and see what we have because we're so proud of what we have and the work that William had done, and we're continuing. We're just very proud of It's wonderful. It really and I is. I want to thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, you, you have been incredibly entertaining, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way about it because... You, you obviously love what you're doing, and that's that's part of the beauty. Well, well we're, I do. I love the cars. I love the museum and uh, antique car people. It's it's. I always say it's like a family reunion when we get together because even your families you might see only once a year, and that's the way it is with some of these car people. Right, uh, Pat. We got to wrap it up. We got to go. But uh, thank you. I'm going to call you right back. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank thanks, Bye-bye. Pat. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.